Today on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Krista Kirk about leadership and mental health. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're back at it. Yep. And let's be honest, this is our second attempt at starting this podcast. You already botched one intro. I introduced myself as you. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a low point in my life. Uh, I, I Both mean, in the fact that I forgot my name and that I thought I was you. I feel like second. subconsciously it just is a demonstration of what's happening on your heart. I just want to be you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed it. But uh, it is good to be back. We're excited about today. Yeah. It's been a, it's been yet. Why don't you tell everybody what we did yesterday? I mean, we had a pretty fun day together. We did, yeah. So yesterday was um, a Sunday, and it was our church picnic Sunday. We had a wonderful, uh, brief little services. I found that forty-minute services actually no one complains about their brevity. No one was angry that I only preached for I, eighteen. Minutes I did yesterday. think it was funny. Any pastors out there would appreciate this. David intros his sermon by saying, "If you're new today, don't." My sermons are not this short, so if you like it, sorry, they're going to be longer in the future. (laughs) That was a good little warning. I didn't want to do the old bait and switch. Oh, 15-minute message, my type of church next week, (laughs) 30 minutes. He's a liar. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, no, we had a great time, and then the church picnic was phenomenal. We went to a place called Oneida Shores, which is right on Oneida Lake, and all week it looked like it was going to rain, not just rain, but thunderstorm. And Jared was just in his prayer closet all week long, rebuking mm. the demons of clouds. Yep. And um, and no rain until go ahead and tell. Literally the the moment we pulled into my driveway and I opened my garage, it started raining. Tell me like, God's not real. You tell me God's not real. I don't <laughs> think so. You can't. So no, we had a good time. Um, great turnout. Great turnout. And um, man, it was slammed. Yeah, and we had a couple of different pavilions and good food and. And then an ice cream truck, which, by the way, if you're listening, you're a pastor and you run a, a church picnic or church events, ice cream trucks are like, you can't mess with it. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we paid for it, but everybody just gets to go and get what they want. It's so easy. It's like, no, anyway, it was great. We I got great like day. four or five of them. I just kept well, we paid on the for hat. It. We paid for it, Jerry. I know, but I pretend to be somebody else each time. <laughs> I will say this. This is one thing I've noticed recently, and, and maybe other people are experiencing this post, not that we're totally post-COVID, but we're getting there. People are really hungry for community opportunities, Yeah, like opportunities to be with each other, friendship. It's so part of who we are as people, and um, it's it's been fun to see that hunger there and people really taking opportunities like that. So Yeah, and I think maybe things we took for granted before we have a deeper appreciation for now. Yeah, and, for sure. And the truth is, is that a lot of churches um, still are figuring out who is there yep. and who, you know, we do two services, so it's really kind of... There are people, there are, I think everyone there yesterday, maybe myself being a rare exception, was meeting people for the first time. Mm-hmm. And even actually, there were some first-time people who came to the service who then came to the picnic. Yeah. So in reality, I actually was meeting some people for the first time too. So That's awesome. It was cool. Well, we are really excited about this episode and the next because we have a guest with us who is both a friend and someone that we both really respect her voice on a really important topic and... Um, I think these next two episodes could be really important for all leaders as we start to step into a conversation on mental health and how do we as leaders, whether you're the leader in a local church, whether you're the leader of a small business, uh, whether you're on a leadership team at a large company, like whatever your leadership role is, uh, how do we pay attention to our own health, specifically mental health, the conversation that is increasingly everywhere and um alarming statistics coming out specifically even in this season of COVID 
And uh, so we're just super grateful to have Dr. Krista Kirk with us. She's a professor professor of counseling. She practices clinically, um, seeing clients from a lower socioeconomic community. And uh, she's been a friend for a while, married to a great friend of ours also, and uh, just wonderful people. So Krista, thank you so much for Welcome being to the podcast. on the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm grateful that I'm able to come on. Krista, tell us a little bit about just yourself and your family. Give us a little sense of who you are, what life is like for you right now, um, and uh, and, and and anything you want to say to embarrass Rob. That would be totally fine. Too. Oh, I would never. I would <laughs> uh, so I am a PK. Um, I grew up in the church. I grew up with parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and everybody in full-time pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. So PK um, is pastor's kid in case anyone's listening and doesn't know. Yes, yeah. PK. So I, I have experienced quite a bit of what you guys talk about a lot on this podcast in terms of leadership and considerations, both the do's and don'ts. Um, and then I decided to take the path of psychology in my undergrad, started working with people who had developmental disabilities, and it really just opened the eyes of my heart to a population that I considered the least of these at that time and Mm. started to do a lot of research in that area and went and got my PhD in counselor education, which is a higher level after you learn to be a therapist than you learn to teach therapists. And so I love teaching. I love what I do. I'm so grateful that I'm in a position where I'm able to. Um, I have two two little ones five years old Liam and three-year-old Esther who is out with my wonderful husband right now at a splash pad because she's home from school and so he's running around with her on that splash pad so I would never talk so negatively (laughs) my husband he is a killer father um, husband and obviously pastor too so we're big fans we're we're big fans and um, we are so just before we jump into the conversation on self-care and mental health for, for leaders, um, I'm just curious, you know, your your background is similar to mine and Jared's. Actually, we're all pastor's kids in this conversation. And mm-hmm. so really immersed in that world, which is a unique world. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering if there's anything about that experience that even um, was uh, a contributing factor in the decision to go the direction you've gone in your life and, and mm. how, how has that experience even just shaped a little bit uh, the direction that you are in, or, or the way in which you are serving right now? Yeah. So that's a very deep question in regards to how my narrative has brought me to this point. Uh, but I will say that a lot that I've seen in the church over the years, I, it's almost like I've, I've sat back and just watched a movie and how things have developed over the last you know, 40 years of pastoral ministry and understanding of the mind and how it is a part of the image that we bear. Mm. Uh, when we were younger, we're, we're all a part of the same generation. When we were younger. Mental health was not even really a two words that you would ever use. It, it was more along the lines of mental illness. And so mm. we only focused on illnesses and not necessarily the opposite of it, which would be health. And, you know, when I went to college um, for my undergrad in psych, I really, honestly, I think that I was just very interested in understanding more along the lines of sociology. So how we function, why we function, uh, and not necessarily 
the mind itself. So when you think of sociology, you think of like uh, almost like a, a game that you're playing with different parts and why people do certain things. And then with psychology, it's more internal and intrinsic. So there's the difference between interpersonal and intrapersonal. And so intra is more looking inside the self. And I became really interested in that. Uh, and when I started to work in the field of developmental disabilities, that's really when I started to come into my own faith and understanding of who of my own identity and faith. And so um, I think that that was probably this this crash pad of a recipe, I guess, mm -hmm. of all these things happening at once where I just said, all right, this is an area that needs a lot more research. We don't have counselors for people who have intellectual disabilities. And if we do, they don't know how to do it. Hmm. And so the Lord really just developed this passion within me to start to look more practically in counseling rather than just research. And so, you know, I've, I've come into my own understanding as an adult going through my own grasping of what mental health looks like in light of being a pastor's kid, in light of having a husband who is a pastor, and obviously in light of some of my family members who really struggled with mental health, but truly didn't even necessarily know how to put words to it. So it's kind of a recipe of everything at once in, in counseling. We call it happenstance as things just happen. And obviously in the Christian community, we know that's, that's sovereignty in all, in all ways. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sure there's more intricacies to it, but that's the concise version of what brought me here. I love hearing people's stories and the journey that God brings them on. And, um, the unique perspective that you have is pretty cool. Uh, I'm curious because you work with a lot of leaders. Your husband's a pastor. You've been around it. And most of the people that listen to this podcast are either pastors or in some sort of leadership uh, mm -hmm. leadership responsibility. And I wonder, given what you shared about the background of mental health, the interpretation of this podcast or the, even the title could be like, oh, that's that's good for the people that I serve, but not necessarily mm -hmm. for me. So why is this topic important? for the leader or the pastor versus yeah. the people that they serve? Yeah. If you picture yourself as a leader and you, you consider yourself a leader of others, I would assume that many people who identify in that way can relate to the fact that it can be, it can be very lonely. A lot of people are looking to you um, when you're a pastor of a church, even the pastors who are, you know, assistants, associates, if you have a bigger church, they are even necessarily in a way looking to, to you. And so it can be really lonely. And when we think about health in general, particularly in the clinical world, and I don't like to use the terms in the Christian world and the secular world, because I don't really think that they're separate. I think that there's a lot of truth that we see we integrate psychology and theology and that's how I, I i teach at a christian school so i'm um able to teach with that lens and so i think a lot of what we do is more implicit integration than explicit so i don't like to use the terms secular and christian because i think that there is a lot of overlap aligned with biblical truths and so when i talk about health in the clinical world we consider health very simplistically a place of safety when you 
are, if you take it back to when you were an infant, a newborn, when you're born, we know that God created us to be relational people. That's a part of the image we bear. So we're relational people. And so from the very beginning, we have a brain scientifically, we literally have a brain that longs for relation, relationship. And so, you know, when you're a newborn and you cry because you're hungry, the cry is for somebody to meet that comfort and that need. Now, you don't know that as a newborn. As an adult, you know that's what's happening. As a toddler, you're upset because you bumped your knee. You need somebody to come and comfort you. And as a teenager, you're confused about who you are and your place in this world, and you need somebody to walk alongside you. And that doesn't ever change. It's not anything that just goes away because all of a sudden we have a career and we have things to show for it. Uh, In the clinical world, we really simplistically see a place of safety as health. Do you have a person that you can go to and be completely raw and vulnerable and know that there will be no risk of retribution and know that you're going to be completely seen and safe. And in the leadership world, Mm -hmm. whether you're a pastor or not, that's a really hard place to be when other people are coming to you and it's hard to reciprocate. It's hard to know what's safe for you and what's not safe for you because a lot let's be honest a lot comes alongside being vulnerable especially when you're in pastoral ministry and you have you know a family to feed or you have bills to pay and so being real and raw and honest can come with risks and so it's really important for us to recognize that as we continue to have this narrative that it's not normal to be safe and seen and we start to hide it, it really only gets worse. And, um, you know, the biggest, the biggest and most important battle in finding health is just to acknowledge what's going on and what we need, the realities of how we were created. So I think it's applicable well across the board, whether you're a leader or not, but particularly in leadership, it can be hard for those reasons. I think that there's an expectation that leaders have their act together um, that leaders mm-hmm. solve problems, that leaders are strong. Um, maybe more than 15, 20 years ago, we're getting better at this. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly what's at stake for a leader in being vulnerable um, can be significant in terms of even t- their credibility as a leader mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in certain circles, specifically within like maybe a local church environment, even through, even the willingness of people to allow them to lead. Um, you know, through certain challenges, whether it's a mental health crisis or or whatever it might be. And so I definitely can resonate with, you know, the idea that everyone needs a safe space to go to, to talk and to share and to just be real and to be honest. And I think one of the, um, you know, I I appreciate what you said about secular versus sacred and that, you know, it's, it's the kind of a false dichotomy. There are some unique dynamics, I think, in the local church um, in terms of what the expectations are of a local mm-hmm. church leader and mm-hmm. some of the pressure, not just to perform, but to be a specific type of person um, mm-hmm. where you're constantly, if you're self-aware, confronted with those sort of like where those gaps are, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. it creates crisis, it creates anxiety, it creates uh, stress, it creates all sorts of things. And a lot yeah. of it is is honestly connected to the fact that we connect our identity often to what we're doing, right? 
So mm-hmm. I, I don't have an identity apart from my title, my responsibilities, and the people that follow me in the church that I lead. And mm-hmm. there's a real danger in that. Can you talk a little bit to some of the motivations and, uh, or just in some of the ways that our identity shapes the way we approach this? Yeah. The way we view our identity, I should say? Yeah. So the biggest, the biggest thing that I work with my clients on, and particularly those in the faith community, which is so fun to do counseling with them because we can speak to the spiritual aspect of it too. There is this, um, there is this sweet, sweet spot of self-awareness that we really need to work on constantly on this side of heaven. I think a part of our sanctification process is becoming more self-aware and looking into ourselves of what's going on. And the idea that we need to have everything together is actually working against what our end goal is. So our end goal is to serve in the great commission of disciples making disciples. And we really cannot if if we are truly honest with ourselves, we cannot admit that we are only spiritual beings. There is only a soul in us. We know that we are body, mind, and soul. And for those who tend to neglect the body and the mind and just only focus on the soul, we we it's almost like we're fooling ourselves to think that as long as I am showing or at least putting on a facade that I'm tending to my soul, everyone will assume the other parts of me are healthy. And that's really where we get ourselves in trouble. There's been a lot more dialogue about this in the Christian community where we're recognizing mental health is something that's really important. And if we're honest, we we also still have a very clear stigma that exists. Mm -hmm. And whenever we as leaders hear that somebody's struggling with a mental health issue, we typically, again, we have to be honest with ourselves. We typically automatically go to what's the spiritual issue? What's going on here that they need to surrender to God more? And absolutely, there is this core underlying identity issue that we're having. And there are peripherals that are influencing the underlying coring identity. And really, when we look at mental health in general and how we can protect it as a leader, we have to recognize that we're all three. We are a physical body. We are a psychological person. And we also obviously have this spiritual soul. And when you look at the literature and it talks about health as a leader, it's pretty clear in the research that the majority of those who struggle with any sort of mental health it is it is tied very intricately to lifestyle so it's very lifestyle related Mm. how are you caring for all three of those parts or maybe even not caring for them equally how how are we over tending to one area and not to another and seeing an imbalance so the lifestyle of you know sleeping right the lifestyle of eating and exercising, right? I, I always tell my clients that a lot of the serotonin that helps with your moods, you know, uplifts your moods, and they actually, it comes from your gut. 90% of the serotonin that's created in your body is created in your gut, and we need to be able to have that serotonin make it to our brains in order to change our moods. And so everything is so intricately related 
where our identity is in Christ and we find our identity in what we do. And that's problematic because we're not necessarily looking at how all the other parts of us influence and um, speak into what that identity looks like. It's not just our souls that are being made new, but we can constantly tend to these other areas in order to find that overall health. And so in the clinical world, when we talk about safety, that's the part of the mind that we are tending to. We're tending to the part of us where we know that there is a psychological piece that is imperfect, just like everything else. Everything else in our on this side of heaven is imperfect. And so there is this this psychological need within us where we need to become more self-aware and find healing through the connection of others. And I'll just, one last piece that I like to always say is that we will never, ever, ever be perfectly mentally healthy. And if you're listening to this and you're like, this is not for me, likely you're the person that needs it the most. We will never be completely mentally healthy. And so until we understand that and see that as a part of our sanctification process, we're never really going to be able to sit in a space of vulnerability with other people. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking about the perception of mental health counseling and and as someone who myself, my wife, we've both, um, had counseling, we've done marriage counseling. I I'll tell people all the time it really saved our marriage. And one of the things that I learned out of that experience, because I never thought it was something I needed, and mm-hmm. my wife and I have kind of very different backgrounds trauma-wise, and it was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense for her, but I'm good until I went right. through it. And then I realized, like you just pointed out, that it is something for everybody, and there are things right. that you learn about yourself that you just function and you assume, you know, Oh, I'm fine. Or oh, my my production, my behavior, the things I do are good. But when you start to deep dive deep down and look at the motivations of your heart and how you respond and the way that you talk and all these things, and um, a, a mental health counselor and someone who can help understand and unpackage those things in your life, once you go through it, you realize so much about yourself. And yeah. so that's what I found is no matter how healthy you perceive yourself to be, there is so much more and, and further that you could go that would only yeah. be a benefit to you, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your church or your business, whatever you lead. And um, and I was thinking as you were talking, like, we have no problem spending money. I mean, David has been paying for a gym membership for years without <laughs> using it. No problem throwing money away at that. But when it comes to mental health counseling, um, we sometimes think, well, that's just a triage situation. I'll just wait right. till I'm like bleeding out on the hospital floor to, to do that versus um, right. preventative care. Preventative care. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, Crystal. You were saying. Yeah. It's true. There's this there's this um, societally accepted thought of when I tell you, oh, I have to go to the doctor tomorrow. I can't do lunch. You don't. You're like, oh, OK. Great. Good for you. If I say, oh, I have a, I have an appointment with my therapist tomorrow or I have an appointment with my counselor, it's like, oh, okay, mm. what's the real problem? And so for whatever reason, well, we have a lot of definitions and reasons for why, but in this particular scenario, for whatever reason in the faith community, we automatically go to, yeah, this is a spiritual issue. And I love what you're saying about normalizing 
having a counselor. I have a counselor. Rob has one. We've seen multiple together. And it's not necessarily even because our marriage was going downhill. We just said, let's learn about each other better. Let's understand how we can be more vulnerable with each other because that's the, that's the true core, right? If you're yeah. married, um, somebody once said to me before I got married, if you picture marriage like the Old Testament tabernacle or the Holy of Holies, it's you, God, and your spouse, and then um, the inner courts are your friends and people you're close to in the outer courts are your acquaintances. That's how raw and vulnerable we really want to be with our spouses for health. And so we've seen counselors just simply to understand how we can be more vulnerable. And yes, let's be honest, marriage is hard and sometimes it's helpful in that way too. Uh, in general, we need to start talking about this more and normalizing it so that it is, it is preventative and it's not just a last resort. So on the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how the local church can respond in a really healthy way to this conversation mm -hmm. that we're having. Um, but to just wrap this uh, first episode up, we've kind of been uh, addressing the fact that there are people out there who either are unaware of their need for care in the area of mental health, or there's you use the word stigma, which I still think it obviously exists, um, and you've unpacked that pretty well. But if someone is listening and, and they don't fit in that category, they actually are really aware and they're just struggling. Like, what would your encouragement and advice be to, you know, this is not professional advice, so, but generally speaking, some, we have a leader listening going, I need help. Um, I'm mm. really drowning in uh, what I'm doing. I really have lost my joy. Like, what are some things that you might just encourage them with? Um, before and, and this is yeah. actually, we actually, for the first time, have a professional on the podcast, so we, we don't have to say that disclaimer. Normally, yeah, I, just David, don't, I, I just don't want to get her in trouble in terms of, like, someone being like, this person gave me this Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and this is generalized, obviously, and it's applicable for everybody. But, you know, you can't necessarily be free from something unless you acknowledge it. And so perhaps they are whoever you are listening and you know that you're really struggling. Who else knows that? And mm. so there's a couple things that I would suggest. Number one, like I said, the, the idea that health is linked to lifestyle is frustrating in some ways and can be really freeing in other ways because that means there are things that we can do to change the way in which our body is reacting and and causing our moods to feel a certain way so that includes sleep habits that includes eating habits obviously exercise all these things that we already know and just reminding ourselves of and so that's the first thing the second thing is we very often, everybody will really ruminate on the negative. We, um, in the clinical world, use the term rumination based upon how cows eat their food. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but cows will eat their grass and then chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it, and then chew it again, swallow it, and regurgitate it. Kind chew like it, David. swallow it. And it's, it's like this. This is literally the term. Did you say like David? <laughs> just with sushi just with sushi oh it's literally the term we use where uh we have this constant negative self-talk and and if we're all honest with each other most of the time if you're a pastor this typically happens sunday evenings or monday <laughs> mornings when you're listening back to your sermons or you're listening back to your teaching and you're like oh i could have done this differently or two and minutes two minutes after the service ends <laughs> yes yeah i've lived with one of you guys so i totally i understand it it's it's rumination and the self-talk is 
if you actually think about regurgitating food, it gets more and more gross as you do it. And so it's the same concept where if you're ruminating on negatives rather than ruminating on what could be a positive, uh, that's where you start to go into this spiral, this this cycle. And so when, if you're recognizing that there's some lifestyle things that need to change, you're starting to ruminate more on the negatives. You don't have anybody in your life that can be a safe and vulnerable place. I encourage you to first start praying for somebody in that way. Um, pray for a friend who can, and whether it's a pastor and let's, we have to be clear that sometimes that has to do with intentionality too, getting out of your comfort zone and finding somebody who can be that person for you. And then also not as a last resort, consider seeing a professional. A professional is not somebody who's going to come in and give advice. That is the number one issue I think when it comes to people trying to figure out if they want to go to a counselor because they're like I don't want to get advice from somebody who's not a Christian or I don't want to get advice from somebody who you know doesn't necessarily know the whole situation that's what my friends are for that's not what we do in counseling matter of fact you know I'm a professor of counseling that's a whole four weeks of a lecture of a topic that I give to my students where I call it their advice monster because we automatically want to have our monster come out and tell them what to do and what to fix it. And that is not what mental health counseling is. Mental health counseling is an objective way for you to learn about yourself and allow you to both learn how your brain works, how your moods work, how relationships work, and then also tie it into what it looks like in the image that you bear, what does this mean for me in my lifestyle and how I can change that, how I approach my relationships, how I approach my spouse. So number one, look at your lifestyle. Perhaps there's things to change. Number two, recognize that self-talk and rumination is something we all do. And it's a discipline to have to stop ourselves from doing so. And number three, take a look and see if there's anybody in your inner circle. And if there's not, who can be and who should be. And then also see a counselor, see what they can help with and maybe help clarify some things that might be confusing. That's awesome. I love that. Um, do you do counseling for podcast co-hosts? Because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've had a few episodes where... She has been for the last half hour if you just pay attention. <laughs> see, that's you what know, I'm talking about. That's, that's the kind of stuff. Thing. <laughs> One thing I think I need to mention too, it's it, it, for people who are licensed, it's actually illegal for us to counsel people that we have relationships with because it's called a dual relationship. It's mm. hard for me to help somebody that I'm so invested in personally. Mm. And so that's something to keep in mind too. If you have a counselor in your church community and they say, Oh, I'm not able to not necessarily take offense to that, but take their advisement on who you can go to and reach out to even those people who might have resources and maybe can't necessarily help you themselves, but they can provide you with some people who might be able to come alongside you. That's great. Well, we end every podcast with a little portion we call David's Eats because our heart is not to make just better leaders, but also better eaters. And so <laughs> since you're a guest today, we uh, are going to forego asking David and we're going to ask you. So in the last couple of weeks, month, what is the best thing you've eaten? So, all right, tiny little backstory. My father is Lebanese and his whole family, uh, well, I should say his, my, my grandfather and his whole family, they migrated from Lebanon 
And my Aunt Marion used to make these things called grape leaves. Now, when I say grape leaves, you're likely like, oh, yeah, I've heard of those. It's a Greek thing. But these grape leaves were not the Greek tart, lemon, cold grape leaves. If you don't know what grape leaves are, I suggest just looking them up anyway, even if they're the Greek ones. But my Aunt Marion used to make these grape leaves where they literally take the leaves and they put like this mixture of rice and, and lamb and roll up the leaves. And it it's absolutely phenomenal and delicious. Well, my Aunt Marion died like 10 years ago. And so, of course, nobody makes them like her. And whenever I get grape leaves, it's the it's the Greek kind. But then the other day, Rob came home and he's like, you're not going to believe what I found. There was this little Mediterranean restaurant on the corner and they made the grape leaves like my grand, my Aunt Marion, but it had like this little cinnamon nutmeg flavor to it. Oh my goodness. I think Rob brought home maybe 10 or 12 and I ate them all in one sitting. They were <laughs> phenomenal. Just me talking about it is making me salivate. They were <laughs> phenomenal. phenomenal. They sound good. They sound good. So um, that also sounds like we're not going to be able to find any of those around Syracuse, which kind of bums me uh, out. But I don't know. Yeah, well, well we just got to go down to the, got to go down their way. That's right. We'll yeah, we do have a guest room. It's a little small. We are in New York, but not <laughs> you a guys problem. can bunk up. Hey, not a problem. Dr. Krista Kirk, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to have you back on for our next episode. And so if you enjoyed this, uh, tune in in two weeks from now. She's going to be back with us. So thank you so much for being with us on the Multiply Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. 